Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, but it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. Have you ever noticed that you compare yourself to others? It turns out this is something that almost everyone does, and it has a seriously negative effect on our self-esteem and self-worth. In this episode, we get honest about when we compare ourselves to others and also share some thoughts on how to overcome that. So the only person we are comparing ourselves to is our old self. In case you haven't already heard, We've been sharing all kinds of extra video content on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We share little bits of wisdom that we've gathered along our journeys and other useful, inspiring bits to carry you along yours. You can find us at Through the Glass Recovery on any of those platforms. We are here tonight with our friends, Dan, Liz, and Alex. I'm going to ask you guys just to introduce yourselves really quick. Um, Dan, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'm Dan. I'm from Pennsylvania. I've been sober for uh, 965 days, closing in on that 1,000. I can see that coming. That feels nice. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks thanks for being here, Dan. And Liz. Thank you for having me. I'm Liz. I am um, just about 10 and a half months sober. Awesome. Thanks for being here. And then Alex. Hey guys, I'm Alex. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm 39. I've got about 16 months sober almost. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you guys for being here. I'll go ahead and read this topic. I think a lot of us struggle with self-worth. That causes a lot of different issues that can become real problems in sobriety, from people pleasing to depression. I think one of the most common things we do to contribute to our lack of self-worth is comparing ourselves to others. When have you compared yourself to others? How does it affect your life and your recovery? And what have you learned or how have you overcome it? I think that's a great example for self-worth is comparing ourselves to others. Because I I think that whether whether we have you know, uh, whether we're addicts or not, I think everyone does that. You know, this person is better at math than I am. This person, you know, is a better runner than me. This person is, you know, instead of looking at the right question, and and that's a trap that I fell into also, and I fell into it in sobriety. I'd be like, this person, you know, they really seem to be getting this program. They really seem to be doing well. They seem, this person is recovery, and I just don't feel that in me. And I had to realize that that was the, the wrong way to look at it. The, the question is, is, you know, when I hit 30 days of sobriety, the better question is, am I better off now than I was 31 days ago? Right. Yes. There's the comparison. The comparison is me because mm-hmm. I'm the only person to measure up to. You know, I, if I try to measure myself up against everyone else on earth, I'm never going to live up. Never. But if I can measure myself up to the best version of me, I can I can match that. I can meet that. Mm-hmm. And I can be proud of that. And I should say I am better off now than I was, you know, two and a half years ago. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of 
It's my daughter shows horses. I've talked about her on here before. And at every horse show, the judge has a sheet where they score each rider. And then at the end, they can actually go look at those sheets and see how they scored and what they did well and what they didn't do well. And it's really easy for all of those kids to look around and think, I'm not as good as that person. That person's better than me. And they get overwhelmed and they feel like they're not even good enough. And so early on, we started taking pictures of those score sheets so my daughter could keep comparing herself to herself because all of those kids there are showing up with different horses, with different amounts of training, with different backgrounds, with different trainers, their different ages, with different experience levels. Every person's walking into that coming from a different place. And I think that's what sobriety is too. We're all coming with a different story and different background and different life experience and different ways of looking at ourselves and looking at the world. And so there's no way we can compare ourselves to the other people around us. The only valid comparison is the one to ourselves. It's easier said than done. Definitely (laughs) easier said. I mean, that's, it, it sounds all well and good. I think, for me, I was thinking about this today and in different places, I feel like right here in my element, I feel a hell of a lot better. I'm sitting, I'm in my element and, you know, I've, I've been working at the same place for a really long time. And right now I do not, it's almost, I, it almost ends up paralyzing me to a certain extent just because I'm, I'm comparing myself to the people that are around me and it, and I just don't feel like I can cut it and it just it's not it doesn't do me any good I have to work through it still not working through it very well but I mean it's just it's odd that it happens in one place and then once once I remove myself from it it's doesn't happen the same i don't think it's unusual to have a comfort zone place mm-hmm. you know a, a place that you you know because it's not a place where we make those kind of comparisons we feel so we get to feel safe here mm-hmm. you know but I, I think that's it's just an easy trap to fall into in in whatever section of life that you're in yeah, i mean i can resonate with it like just recently i went through a situation of a lot of comparison you know with my sister's wedding And like being there and like not only comparing myself to a past self that I romanticized, but comparing myself to like the others that were there, you know, like I'm in recovery right now and like my life energy level living looks different than how it used to look, you know, before I started really doing the deep emotional healing. So like an event like that was so much more like brought up so much more for me then I needed to process. Whereas, you know, if I had just been numbing out before, you know, like sitting there in a chair and like comparing myself to be like, I should be the life of the party right now. Mm -hmm. And then I feel that distress in my head, like, you know, that comparison. And then I almost have to like set myself back down and remember, you know, that this is my space of healing. You know what I mean? And like, I don't need to like show up as any certain self in order to be accepted, you know, like I can be accepted for who I am right now, you know, because I've been open with the people in my life about my sobriety. You know, they know that I'm going through 
an emotionally taxing time. So I feel that. And if I don't like use the tools to get myself back out of it, then it can really be a big problem comparison to others. Almost make yourself feel like you're out of place without being out of place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can almost feel like, and I can almost feel my old self, like, oh, I could just have a drink, you know, like I had the thought and I haven't had that thought in a long time, you know, and that thought can come up and I can observe that thought and like recognize and be humbled by it. You know, this is an opportunity for growth and to rewrite the story of myself. It's interesting you bring that up. I went on a 6K walk after work and that was work was a lot of what I thought about mm-hmm. and cause that's my next roadblock. That's the next thing. That's my next challenge to figure out what I need to do there. And I was like, when I was drinking, I was a bull in a China shop, but I got some things done and you know, I could, I could easily compare myself now to then. And right now I'm not a bull in a China shop. I'm still trying to figure out my way, but it's easy to go back and, and be like, I know how to just kind of ram through all of this, but it damages a lot of people in the, in the meantime. So I think I'm still just trying to, I don't know if it's, I don't trust myself and I, or I don't trust. There's a trust thing. I think that's there that um, whether it's with, the management that I'm dealing with, or I don't know what it is. I don't feel supported. I feel like if I ask for help, it's going to make it more difficult. And so because of that, I'm scared to do it. So I'm left doing not a good enough job. I think a big part of that in sobriety is just, you have to completely relearn how you're going to do everything. Mm -hmm. We all used to do things one way or another when we were drinking we're all completely different people now how we accomplish things how we interact with others all of that is changing and we're all just figuring out what that even looks like it's really not a comfortable place to be (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's that awareness of it that's important you know i was not at all aware when i was drinking of who I was, what I was doing in the world, what was about me, who, what am I, what, what am I like? I had no knowledge or thoughts of any of these kind of things. All I knew is that I was sort of an angry guy that most people didn't like. And I didn't really blame them for not liking me, but I still thought they were dicks for not liking me. Yep. So, you know, and, and that's the thing to realize now is that, you know, uh, the other day I got very upset with somebody on, I went, I kind of, you know, went to a rage and for a minute and, and then I caught myself and I brought myself back down to earth and I separated myself from the situation for a little while. And I thought I had the thought it was the, have I ever made any progress? Why am I still acting like this? I'm still that this, you get that glimpse of the, the mean drunk guy. And it was, of course, you're different. Of course, you've made progress. You would never have wondered if you made progress when you were drinking, right? That, you know, you, you, you know, I, I would be sitting there plotting my revenge, not, <laughs> oh, shit. 
<laughs> I, I wouldn't be thinking about how I could find a way to move on from this. Right. Mm-hmm. How, how do you fix it? How do you face it? How do you, how do you, how do you do the next thing instead of nothing? Self-worth right there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's realizing that, that you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to, to listen to y'all talk about this because as I was listening, I was thinking, I don't think my comparison points happen that often when it comes to sobriety anymore, maybe in the early days, but not so much now, but where it indirectly plays a role in my sobriety is how I feel about myself. So there's the self-worth that you were talking about in the beginning. And there was something today that happened that was actually a pretty good example of this, which (laughs) involved me looking into adopting a puppy. And um, in part of that conversation, the woman who I was speaking with asked if I had a partner who would be there to help me because I was there with my dog, my two dogs and my kid. And I told her no. And she later ended up saying to me that she would support my decision regardless. But ultimately, you know, she didn't want me to overwhelm myself. And and she meant it in a, a very kind, empathetic way. It wasn't maliciously. But what I took away from it with my brain, the way I twisted it was you're not good enough to because there was another woman who was there also interested in the same dog. So my thought was, okay, then clearly this other woman is going to be able to offer a better life, a better home or whatever, because here I am single mom failure, you know? And, and so when that type of thought process starts and I, I take that and apply it to my entire life and all of my bad decisions, that's when I start spiraling downward, which of course then could potentially threaten the sobriety. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I definitely identify with feeling like a failure, like a fraud, you know, no, no, people just may not, people may not know what, how, how terrible I really am or, or whatever else. And, you know, um, there was uh, somebody from our meetings who actually said to me once, why don't you try looking at yourself through your daughter's eyes for a little while? And so I started journaling and trying to think about it that way and thinking, you know, and, and that was kind of the start of the self-worth journey for me, really, was to just trying to see what she sees and maybe see something a little better than what I saw. Because what I saw was terrible. I didn't like anything about myself. And that's kind of my natural inclination is to go back to that when these kind of thoughts and feelings pop up. But And then that's when I start thinking about a drink is right through there. But, you know, to come back to that and think, well, what is... What do they see? Or what do you guys see? What does she see? And, you know, and that brings a, a sense of objectivity back because self-worth, whatever self-worth, you know, ends up really being, um, we're, we're never going to show the same kindness to ourselves that we would show to someone else or that someone would show to us. And so I, that, that's usually a good place to, to reset and is to say, look, you know, what, what, are, what do these people see? Okay. Yeah. So let's let's start there and think about why they think this. I do the same thing Liz does and I take any comments depending on what headspace I'm in can be turned into you're not good enough. 
I just, if I'm already in a place where I'm feeling bad about myself and I'm already frustrated with myself about every, whatever else is going on in my life, somebody can say something and even mean it in the kindest way. And I will think to myself, she just doesn't think I'm good enough. There was a time back when my kids were fairly little and I, we had just moved to this really small town and I ran into this guy on the road and he asked how I was and I just started crying. I had two little girls. I was on my own all the time because my husband was working out of town. I was trying to raise all these farm animals and I had no idea what I was doing and I was overwhelmed. And he's like, how are you today? And I just started crying and he was so sweet and just wonderful and was also like, I don't know what the hell to do with this woman because she's crying on the side of the road. But um, later that night, I got a phone call from his wife who I had maybe met twice And she, I mean, they're older. They've got, you know, kids my age. And she was like, I was just calling to see what I can do to help you today. And that was the kindest thing. And I cried and I told her I was fine. And I got off the phone. And the first thing I thought was, she doesn't think I'm doing good enough. Like, that's what I turned that to. And all it was, was a very kind and compassionate woman who had probably felt the exact same way I felt. But I turned it into, she doesn't think I'm doing a good enough job. So looking back on it, I can see what it was at the time. I just used it as one more thing to pile on top of me. And I think a lot of us tend to do that. How much does shame play a factor in all of that? In all of comparing ourselves to others. That's what one thing mm-hmm. that I was going to bring up was just all of the ways that I compare, I, I compare myself all the time. It's just, I think it was how I was raised. And Liz and I have actually talked about this a fair bit, but I was thinking about all the different ways that I do compare myself to others. I compare my physical appearance to other people. I compare my lifestyle and my house and everything to other people. And a big one is comparing my parenting and my success as a parent to other people, all of that is shame-based. Every time I feel like a failure, it's all mm-hmm. its all because of shame. Uh, it, don't they say at the beginning of this show that vulnerability is the opposite of shame? Yep. And, <laughs> and, and, and I think that that's the thing that shame takes from us, is, is, the, yeah. is the ability to, to, you know, to find that, that self-worth and vulnerability. It makes, mm-hmm. me, it makes me, at least, shut down more. If yeah. I feel judged or disrespected, I go from a place where I was probably already not doing so great. And now I'm shutting down completely and I am moving as far away from everyone else as I can. And that, you know, and that is shame. That is absolutely shame. And that's, that's when I know I need to get back to a meeting because vulnerability will at least slow me down and keep me from moving too far, so far away that I don't find my way back. That's the place I, you know, I don't ever want to find myself again. I mean, we're talking about where we feel and kind of lose our self-worth, but getting it back, Dan, kind of like you mentioned, going to meetings, uh, just giving back itself, like finding something that you're passionate about and then sharing that with someone else. I think when you have the opportunity to share something that you're passionate about with someone else that that they're interested in just i think that really helps pull 
that back. Absolutely. Yeah, it really does. I mean, passion really helps. And uh, I think the big thing that was obvious, but like mind blowing when I really saw it clearly is how much everyone, everyone does this. We all compare ourselves to each other and like everyone is like suffering from that. So like, I'm not alone in this and that kind of makes, brings me comfort, you know, cause everyone's trying to like curate their perfect image to present to the world, you know? So I'm only seeing a piece of what others want to show me. That is that one of the things that came up for me and kind of plays into that is social media. And social media was like maybe the main place that I would fall into the comparison trap. And all you're seeing is the things people want to show you. And it's really easy to compare my mess of a life to the perfect pictures that people are posting on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, I remember thinking like, and I haven't used social media. I haven't used Facebook in, I quit Facebook the same day I quit drinking, but I remember kind of wishing that I could just have as perfect of a life as some of those other people. Like, what would it be to just be that confident and to have a life so good that you didn't have to worry about what others thought of you? And reality is those people are posting those pictures for exactly the same reason I posted my perfect pictures. And it's because they just wanted everybody to think they looked great too, because they were busy comparing themselves too. And yeah, it is something we all do. And I think social media encourages that, like it pushes us toward that. It's, it's like showing what you're the best part of your crappy day. I heard a story once of a couple friends going to it is right it's like the here we just captured the one smile the rest of the day was garbage um uh i heard a story once where two friends went to the same place they're like they're two friends with their families they went to the exact same place and then the one friend was like they had uh crap their their day was shit they was garbage the one picture on facebook was of the entire family smiling. The other person that was there was like, this day was horrible. And so it it doesn't tell the story, right? It's like the picture, you know, here, you look at me right now and you see a gray wall. What you don't see is the clothes on the floor over here. And what you don't see is the turkey fryer back there. And what you don't see is the climbing tr- tree stand over here, right? Like you, it looks clean here. I don't, it's not right. It's, it's only what you see and it's only what I'm letting you see. I guess that's the main thing. It's only what I'm letting you see. Well, I think a lot of that too comes from, you know, the place that we don't want to admit that we are imperfect mm-hmm. and, and it's important to realize that we're going to make mistakes. I mean, we're going to get tickets. We're going to make mistakes with our kids. We're going to leave the house a mess and, and and forget a deadline all these things are just a thing that people do and it we try to avoid them but at the same time they are human errors and we can't hold that against ourselves for being human everyone else is out there making these kind of mistakes and 
we can't pretend that they're not. And that's where the shame came in for me because it was always, this person's got it together. This person's got it together. Why don't I have it together? Yeah. Why, why do I feel like I'm a mess all the time? But, you know, like you said, everyone else is going through this at the, in the, at the same time at the same speed. But I just was, I just could not let myself see that. And it was accepting that and accepting that I need to forgive myself when I make a mistake. Okay. I, I see I did something. Move forward. My self worth always came from the outside. Mm-hmm. It was always, I was always looking for some sort of affirmation from some someone so I could you know, feel better about myself. And I, I mean, it got to a point where a compliment was hard to find to begin with. But I still, I had to, I had to come to, I had to come here to find, I had to be shown, I had to be retaught. You know, this is the reflection of you that I see. And, and to start believing that that was the reflection because it was shown in a way where I could understand it. And I had to learn that I, it, it, it took people like you to show me so I could actually put that together inside and be like, I have value. I don't need it from you guys anymore, but I needed it from you guys at the beginning because that reflection of me looked completely different than the reflection that you guys saw of me. And it needed to get embedded. That's where that healing came from. So, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people makes a huge difference. Totally does. It's just like that, like that pure acceptance that we have of each other. You know what I mean? Like we don't have like any, we accept each other for who we are. And we know like all the little things about it are like, there to help us like heal you know what i mean and uh when we have that pure acceptance for another person then we can start to see what that would feel like for ourselves mm-hmm. you know, what would it be like if i judged you know like if i gave myself the grace that i gave steve how would that feel you know what yeah. i mean or the grace that steve has given me if i was that compassionate with myself how would that feel what would that be like, you know, and and the comparison to others is the thing that would fall away, you know, because I've learned that my individual emotions and the way I process the world has validity to me, you know what I mean? And then that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be that way. And like, that's how I need to be to get better. I need to be myself. I think the solution to all of this goes back to authenticity and vulnerability. Like Brene Brown would be so proud of us, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what it is. If you Mm -hmm. show up authentically, when I showed up and I was like, here are my flaws. Here are the things that don't look perfect. I let people see all the real stuff, all the clothes on the floor. Um, whatever it was in my life. And I just started letting that show. And I started talking really honestly about the stuff that I was struggling with. I mean, I'd show up and talk about worrying, you know, comparing the way that I look to other women or that stuff's hard to talk about. But as soon as you show up and talk about that, if you're with the right people, 
a lot of times you get, yeah, I do that too. And mm -hmm. as soon as you get that, it all starts going away. You don't even have to compare yourself anymore or not as much because you're, as soon as you start talking about all of those things, your self-worth increases dramatically. Like we all think that our self-worth is going to come from putting this perfect image out there. And reality is the self-worth comes from sh like letting people see all of the real stuff and letting them accept us for it. And then we don't have to work so hard. Right. If I can talk about it, I take away its power over me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Shame dies in the light. Just like that. It's just, just like that. squeezing it out is the hard part. Taking it out from the shadows. That's the scary part. Well, that's something that I think I've I've learned along the way, and that you know, I, you know, I know I was very much in the whole anonymous side of the program early on. I didn't talk to anybody about any of it really outside of meetings, you know. But I, I've really started to tell you know people who I'm friends with and people who I used to used to work with or things from a while ago. And you know, I I told somebody recently about it about the, the about my journey and. And she was like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I couldn't have been there for you. I didn't know you were hurting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, not many people did. And I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I think that if I could have let people be that close to me back then, I, uh, I probably wouldn't have found myself in as deep a mire as I ended up being in. And I think that's the thing to learn now is that people who are not in recovery, to be open with them and to say, I'm not going to compartmentalize anymore. I'm not going to show you just the part I want you to see. I'm going to show you me. Mm -hmm. And if we still have a friendship after you see all that, then we are friends. And if mm -hmm. not, well, I wish you well. Mm -hmm. Liz, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, if I am showing people what I feel to be the most unacceptable parts of myself and am accepted anyway, then that's that's how I start to regain some self-worth, which I know it sounds like external validation, and it is, but in some ways it's also just reflecting, you know, and and also just hearing back that the the things that I think are worst about myself, I mean, some of it's bad, right? But it's not, it doesn't make me a terrible human being. It makes me human. And that we're all actually living this way in terms of we all have our mistakes, our regrets, our shame. Some of us are talking about it openly. Some of us aren't. And, you know, and some of us are using, as I did, alcohol or other substances or forms of addiction to try to hide all of that. Yeah. But, you know, as, um, as y'all said about, you know, exposing it to the light, being authentic, that's at least for me how I've started to, regain some of the self-worth although it's it's a journey <laughs> it's a journey <laughs> yeah definitely a, a a marathon not a sprint and it takes time and uh, I'll drop another aa thing in there it's progress not perfection mm -hmm. is what we aim for you know perfection's impossible holding myself to that standard is never gonna work but i can i can say you know look i'm better than I used to be and I can continue to aim to to be better and to be more aware 
think that the best thing we can ever do for ourselves is be proud of who we are for, for who we are. Yeah. Liz, I think you said something, you said something about external validation and I think there's something to be said with saying the hard thing. And once you say it, you take it out of your own head and then you get to believe it. You get to believe that that piece, whatever it is, that it's real. And then once you can see that that is, is real, whether it's the shame or it's the guilt or you can start finding the self-worth in that because a lot of the times the story that we tell ourselves isn't reality. So once you do say it, I think you end up finding more pieces of yourself. So I want to say thank you, Dan. Thank you, Alex. And thank you, Liz, for your time tonight. It was uh, really great to have you guys on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, thank great. you for inviting me. I'm always happy to be here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. As always, we want to thank our listeners for sharing space with us today. We encourage you to share this podcast with any of your friends or family that might also need a bit of encouragement as they navigate their way through life. We're all in this together. 